said it when I first got here. There's some, there's some really good players. They're hard to they're hard to get. They're hard to keep. And uh, when you got them, you try to keep on to them so, or hold on to them. So uh, I think it's a good day for us. Uh, a real good day for us to get them signed. We're excited to get them signed. Um, top player in what I believe just entering the prime of his career. So we're excited. But it's a good day for us. I think when you have the starting point of a player that wants to be here and a team that wants to keep them, usually you can find, you can you can get it done. Listen, it's a big contract. It's a lot of money. And uh, so you go through that process. But I don't I don't know if there was ever an aha moment. You know, you, you arm wrestle. Um, you go through it. But I don't think there was ever a time where we felt we weren't going to get to the finish line. You know, because of what I said, the player ultimately wanted to be here. We wanted the player, so we find a way. Show Sports at 590 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brian Gunning. That was Toronto Maple Leafs general manager Brian for Living after giving the bag, which is almost overflowing. Uh, eight years, $92 million. That's $11.5 million per, $69 million of which is in signing bonuses and a full no-move clause to William Nylander. It's an arm wrestle, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. It, it does feel like somebody's biceps were a little bit bigger than the other. Yeah, probably the guy who we've seen on a Swedish talk show with his biceps out getting mm-hmm. caressed by, like, older Swedish ladies. And just to clarify, that's not Brad True Living. That is William Nylander. Oh, that did that wasn't Brad True Living. No, I, was, I mean, hey, if there is... I, oh, actually, I take that back. I, I ret- before I even say it, I take it back. I do not want to see Brad True Living on a Swedish talk okay. show in tank yeah. top. I'm actually... I'm totally mm-hmm. good on that. If it happened, just keep that uh, to your to yourselves out there. Yeah, there was an arm wrestle, but I I think one guy was just, my arm's here, and it's not really going to move. Uh, if you want to move, have at it. Uh, my arm's right here. That's what it seems like happened from here. You know, I don't want to overstate it. I'm sure they would, they would it wouldn't have taken this long if there was absolutely no negotiation, and obviously the two sides ground, but we've said it before. He got money, he got term, he got structure, he got no move, got everything he wanted. And, hey, the Leafs got what they wanted, too. They got a 100-point player, a guy who's on pace for that, mm-hmm. and 40 goals and maybe 50 but it is hard to see the, I mean, the value for the Leafs is that they got a player who is going to be top 10 in NHL scoring this year and is in the prime of his career and all of that. But in terms of the surplus value, there was none generated. No, I'm, God, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about actually how the mechanics of this thing and the negotiation, which you're right, like did play out. This did not happen day one of these, of Lewis Gross and Bradford living talking. Like it's, we're we're into January now, but like, how did it go? Was Lewis Gross like, all right, we want eight years, eleven and a half million per, a lot of uh, a lot of that in signing bonus and uh, a full no move clause, and then it, it, initially the at the first mention of that, Roger Living's like, how about like ten per uh, over eight? And he's like, no, eleven and a half, eight years, full no move, lot in signing bonus, mm-hmm. and then you know it's it's October. And it's like, uh, okay, how about how about like ten and a half? No, we're looking for eleven. Like, how many times did Brad True Living come to the table? Was there any movement off of what William Nylander and his representation was looking for? Because it didn't feel like it. Well, and I'm half joking here, but he's only had what is it four or five games this season without a point. So yeah. did you just go to him? Did you just go to Lewis Gross after every single night that Nylander didn't have a point going, right. how about now? And he goes, no, we'll wait a day and you'll see how this goes. And then guess what? He got back on the score sheet because that's what he's done all year long. It's just seemingly, seemingly every single night, and even mm-hmm. nights where it's a second assist that he barely did anything on. It's just been one of those years. And I don't 
don't want to take away. Like, this isn't a luck. This isn't a bounces thing. It wasn't a luck. It wasn't a bounces thing when Matthew scored 60. It was, he got some luck. He got some bounces, but he also had an incredible season. I think that's what's happening with Nylander. The, the thing people keep coming to with this is the idea of, okay, what does this do? Does this mean that this season is the floor for Nylander? Does he need to have a run of three more seasons like this to make the deal quote unquote worth it? Does this change the parameters of what is acceptable for William Nylander? Well, I mean, of course it does. He was a $7 million player before or not even that. And now he's going to be an $11.5 million one. Of course it changes the parameters, but to what extent for you, Ben? For me, it's, it's, Man, maybe not. And by the way, yeah, there was three games in which he didn't score a point. It was after the 17-game point streak to start the season and then now currently on another 17-game point streak. So that's it. There was three games sandwiched in the middle of two 17-game point streaks. I knew it was a very small number. I didn't realize it was that way. Yeah. Incredible. So, yeah, the baseline is is until until Mitch Marner gets his deal, the second-best player on this Leafs team. And, and yeah, last year, he scored 40 goals. He was right there with Austin Matthews and point total above Austin Matthews. And Austin Matthews, obviously, I mean, he's going through a bit of a fallow period, and I haven't updated the the on-pace for goals uh, total this season. It's not 70 anymore. But, yeah, this is a guy who's scored 60 before, so you're never going to be Austin Matthews. But a guy that's right below him as far as an offensive weapon and a guy that plays in all situations. And secondarily, I mean, what we haven't mentioned yet in discussing the William Nylander of it all, and 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 how he's viewed in respect to his peers, or at least his peers on this team, is the playoff production, right? Yep. Like this, that's that's the key to all of this, right? Like if William Nylander does have a down year during the regular season, or you know goes through a fallow period this season, but does what he's done routinely in the postseason, elevating his game, that's all that's going to matter. That's that's what's going to matter to everybody. I mean. Who's who's talking about contracts at all if the Leafs actually break through in the postseason this year? Nobody. Nobody. No one. No. If if literally just one guy on this team, it doesn't matter if it's Noah Gregor wins the con Smythe. We'll never have a conversation about a contract for the foreseeable future, but it's all about playoffs, and this is the guy who's who's brought it. I mean, if you actually look at the counting stats. Marner is actually kind of right there with him in terms of just raw production, but we all know the numbers, you know, I don't have them in front of me, but games one through three in series versus the back end of series and clutch games and, and all that over the glass penalties. He's, he's got him there. I actually have made a promise to myself that until I see another one of those, I'm going to stop bringing it up because okay. he did a whole year. It was very good. He was a good boy last playoffs and didn't have one of those. Nylander has been over the last three playoffs, a point per game guy in his career. He has 40 points in 50 playoff games. 17 of those points are goals. He had 10 points in 11 games last year, seven and seven, eight and seven. The the year before that, this is a guy who shows up. His game does not wilt. The other part of it that we've talked about, or I've heard talked a lot about with this is how is the player going to age? You know, I think there is a, uh, drive or you know, maturity is the wrong way to put it because I think we've seen the maturity change quite a lot. But I think there are some people who wonder about how the drive will change for this player as the contract ages. But the game, the idea that William Nylander's game is just going to fall off a cliff somewhere, he doesn't exactly have that. He is a good skater, but he is not where he is strictly because he's a burner. He uses his edges well. He's strong as an ox. He can shoot it. He's a he, he has great vision. He's a smart player. He is only evolving in terms of what he is. So I think that because of that, 
there are, uh, there is going to be a floor that Nylander will be able to reach that this deal will be seen as acceptable. I don't think we get to a point short of it being, a, to your point, at least contract run or, or a playoff run where we never talk about contracts again. I don't think we get to a point where this is viewed as some slam dunk of a deal like the last one was, but I think there's a very, I think it's very likely that in especially the first three, four years of this deal, we look at it and go, okay, this is totally fair market value and the player's living up to it. No, the... I think there is a scenario in which we view this as a slam dunk um, of a deal. I don't. I don't think it's I need, a high I need to probability. See, I need to see another NHL star say absolutely not. I'm getting the bag until I say this is going to be a slam dunk because we just we don't we don't see it. Like Nathan McKinnon, Nathan McKinnon did it, but look at his number compared mm. to Matthews. And I understand the term elements there, but you can make an argument one way or another. Like Nathan McKinnon got twelve six. That was point that's it's a hundred K more than Connor McDavid made. And how many years ago did Connor McDavid sign that deal? And McKinnon is McKinnon is a, you know, he's not Connor McDavid, but he is right there in that top three, four player in the league conversation. I love Nylander, but I think even the people who are most bullish on him wouldn't say he's that I need to see somebody in this kind of William Nylander tier take this kind of deal. And part of it is circumstance, but look at all the guys that we think of in that realm. Your Jack Hughes of the world. It's like part of it was them coming off RFA deals, but it's at 8 million bucks. I think for this deal to age well, or to look really good, we need to see stars start ringing the bell in the way that we hear that they're going to start doing. I mean, okay. So David Pasternak, Artemi Panarin are better players. Even this Mm -hmm. season, they're better players. They, They both have more points than William Nylander. The percentage of the cap that they signed for was also higher than William Nylander's will be next season. Does that not shape it? Like, does it? And Artemi Panarin had not cracked ninety points no, in the, a season the, when he signed with the Rangers for seven years, right? The, the and Panarin he's done one's three, a different three, one. Three times yeah. since then. I look at Panarin and Pasternak differently. It's hard. It's really hard with Pasternak because of the sixty goal thing and that he signed 61. it. Don't the, short change him by right. a goal. You're right. I shouldn't. People love to get Mitch Barner a point. He didn't score. Yeah. So I shouldn't take away a goal from David Pasternak, even though I'd love to take them all away from him, quite quite frankly. But I think that's the part of this that gums it up is that Nylander is going to have a remarkable season this year. But even with this slight cool down, it's not going to be 61 goals. It, it could still be 100 points and that'd mm-hmm. be an incredible marker to get over. But I think that's the part of it that kind of complicates things is that Pasternak did it in a 61 goal year it wasn't a nice year it was a transcendent offensive season now we are seeing that from Nylander but we need to see him get over the finish line I think before and I do need to see it from a few other players again maybe I'm just gun shy because everyone told me that the Leafs had set the trend last time with how all the contracts were going to go and then everybody said "Mm -mm, I want security give me all the years I just need to see it actually come to fruition this time where everyone else follows the Leaf Stars playbook. I mean, if if the cap's up by $8 million over the next two years mm-hmm. and, like, not everybody spends the cap, which, yep. like, the Coyotes spend to the cap now. Like, if we are in a world where the Leafs actually have separation from teams in their spending and can actually flex their financial might, yeah, I, I think there's a, a, a scenario and Nylander is competing for an Art Ross trophy year over year. Like, I think there's this scenario where it doesn't look like a sweetheart deal, mm-hmm. no. but it, it looks like not bad. I don't think it'll, I don't think it will look bad. I don't think this ever gets to a point where we look at it as a, a great deal or you know, incredible bargain. It's obviously an overstatement. You don't get incredible bargains on superstar level players, but I think 
and I just have to say this as well as we're talking about this. I think it's fool's gold. I don't think anybody, you know, I realized it's going to sound to some people like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I think you understand what I'm saying here. The idea of somebody taking a true hometown discount, that doesn't exist either. But you do see guys play a little ball and the Tampa structure that allowed them to win their cups and go on their runs is the part of that. And I don't think you can sit here and say that any Leaf has done that in terms of playing a little ball. They have signed fair deals. I don't think they have gone over and above. and Whatever held... you can get is a fair deal. Well, okay, that's fair. But I don't think the Leafs have, I don't think anybody can say to any part, to any player on the Leaf, outside of Morgan Riley, that they have taken anything remotely approaching a team-friendly deal. And I think that that's going to be interesting. Don't, don't gloss over Morgan Riley, no, who's I'm the not. number one defenseman for this team. Uh, 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 an eight-year extension that pays him, what, eight per? Seven, five, even yeah. better. <laughs> even better. I don't want to gloss over that. But if we start to see other players elsewhere do the I'm going to take less because that's what we have to do, then these deals will just look worse. So much of how we feel Mm -hmm. about this deal is how the rest of the league reacts to the new cap landscape of a cap that actually rises as opposed to just stays stagnant forever. And I believe most teams and most stars will handle the business like this. I've also been burned like that before thinking that that's what's going to happen. So I just, I'd like to see it come to fruition. Please, please, Mm. please. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll also see if William Nylander can follow up his two-goal performance against that this very same San Jose Sharks team in San Jose, whether he has a, okay. a, a follow-up performance tonight. William Nylander's two, two different 17-game point streaks. More like What is more impressive than that? Or the Sharks, I realize this is a confusing question, but you'll understand what I'm saying. Or the Sharks losing 11 games two different times in a row. Like Is William Ooh. Nylander's feet more impressive or is the Sharks more depressing? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, so Sharks have... Have won nine games this season, um, all against different teams. And, you know, I was one of the topics I was going to raise today was, you know, we've got a couple of Canadian teams in the Canucks who took the Rangers to the woodshed yesterday at MSG. Saw that. To two of the top teams in points uh, are Canadian teams in the Canucks and the, the Winnipeg Jets, you know, or two of the nine teams that have lost the San Jose Sharks this season? I'm going to guess those two. <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd be correct. Um, no. I mean, hey, what is, what's the Leafs record against uh, the Blackhawks? Yeah. 0-2. Yeah, no, I get it. It's, yeah. Um, and that's tough when you're, you're talking about a Western Conference opponent who you only play twice a season. Yeah, so like the Canucks just factually have at least they more did opportunities it. to lose to the Sharks, right? At least they did and it with Bedard, the Jets. Bedard in the lineup. Could you imagine if like somehow they had played yeah. another game in the like, next week or two here and they lost without him? I'm going to take the positive side. I'm going to say okay. the seven, two 17-game point streaks are uh, the more impressive. Agreed. Uh, we'll get back into Nylander and the Leafs uh, when we talk to Sam McKee at 730. Uh, Michigan Wolverines win their first national title since 1997 yesterday in a game that only started at 730, which I was like shocked to I, see. I just want to commend America. Holy Great cow. job by you. I figured 8.30 for sure, 8.45 yeah. sometimes even. College football games last forever. I guess like when it's a blowout by the end, it, it speeds up. But yeah, it's not out of the realm of possibility for that game to have gone more than mm-hmm. four hours starting at 8.30. Anyways, that's besides the point. Okay, I'm talking from a very selfish point of view. Anyways, Wolverines win 34-13. Um Michael Penix Jr., boy, that was a rough performance from him. And mm-hmm. you know, we'll talk to Peter King later on at 8.32, and I, I wonder how one single performance can impact his draft stock. But, boy, that was ugly. Anyways, Wolverines uh, wrap up an undefeated season. Jim Harbaugh, after his suspension and and all the, the mud he's been dragged through this season, it does feel like his, his time 
back in college football has run its course and he will once again return to the NFL where he has not had a losing season and has played seems good in a Super Bowl or has coached in a Super Bowl against his brother. Um, where's the ideal landing spot for him? I keep going to the Chargers. It seems like super obvious, I know, but that just seems like a guy who he can take care of the culture and the rest of the roster, but he can't turn a quarterback into, or he can't turn a no nothing quarterback into something, or I shouldn't say he can't do that, but why would you want to do that? It's these most ready-made spot. If you're a believer in Herbert and yeah. I still am like, I have my questions about Herbert. I don't mm-hmm. look at him as some unassailable who is for sure, but I think there's more than enough capability and tools there. That is the spot in terms of football, but if I want a story, I want Harbaugh going into New England and saying, I can clean this up. I'll show you Belichick. It's, it'd be the greatest thing in sports. Like, I have to be honest. It's like that character, he's he's not of a completely different mold than Belichick, but he's so different in terms of his quirkiness. Like, mm. they're both, I mean, they're football coaches, but they're like both football guys through and through to their core. But it'd be such a different animal there you would be able to have a complete, a completely clean kind of slate craft would, it wouldn't be seen as, I think there's a world where moving on, you know, the idea of you move on from Belichick and it's just, all right, here's the guy from the coaching cycle that we kind of like, that's almost seen as disrespectful to a certain extent. But if it's for this, if it's for Harbaugh, you could say, okay, at least you can understand it. It can be more amicable football from a football perspective go to the Chargers, coach up Herbert. I want to see him with the real coach. I really want to see that. But from a storyline, media, all that, give me, and I'm a Patriots fan, so give him me a New England. Please, please, please. Yeah, if all he wants to do is win, like you, it's, you have to go to the place where there's a quarterback, right? And, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the, the Patriots are going to be drafting a quarterback at three. I understand that. Like, okay. And and maybe they'll they'll end up with the next generational star, but maybe not. Like, maybe, maybe it's a total whiff. Um, Boy, like Washington, Atlanta, like give me a break. Like, mm-hmm. and I also understand that the Chargers brand is not, it, it's not the greatest, right? What you said, Washington, and that one gives me a little pause just from a, you know, they bring in Bob Myers. If you're mm-hmm. going to, which is a weird like basketball hire to help with your, you know, football op search, but I can see a world where that kind of makes a lot of sense and they do the splash there and then he gets to have the as long a roadmap as he wants it's a sexy franchise not right now but mm. the second that thing gets going you have the you throwbacks to the 80s and Reagan's yeah and like the if the chargers are good like are they ever going to no. invigorate a fan base no. that like went from no teams to all the teams no right like it's just it's hard to envision the Patriots one is the most interesting though like like you said and I think that's an obvious thing but you know what's interesting over the last couple of days I don't know people have paid attention to the Bill Belichick, like post that horrible way that he possibly went out in New England in losing by double digits to the Jets is kind of like made it feel like he's open to acquiescing something to the Patriots and giving up his GM duties and like almost going to do whatever it takes to remain in New England and him, you know, having multiple meetings with Robert Kraft it does feel like if you're if you're gonna go the Jim Harbaugh route and you're the Patriots and you're Robert Kraft, you might have to push Bill Belichick out. And and if you're Jim Harbaugh, is that a situation you want to go into? Like it's a different deal if if, if there's an amicable yep. parting of ways and a couple of guys shaking hands and saying what an incredible generation of of Patriots teams we we put on the field and it didn't end the way we wanted it to. But n- these things never do. 
and we'll we'll talk again at your Hall of Fame induction, Bill. Uh, enjoy, enjoy the the rest of your football career. Right. It's quite another if Bill Belichick's like, no, I, I wanted to come back, and Robert Kraft said thanks, but no thanks, and it's going to be a firing. It's not going to be a trade mm-hmm. by all indications. Mike Florio's saying like that's like. It's way too complicated to consummate that type of thing. He's under contract. Like, he just signed a contract extension. So Robert Kraft is going to have to say goodbye, here's all your money, and you're fired. Is that a situation you want to go into if you're Jim Harbaugh, understanding the legend that exists around Bill Belichick? Do you you want to be the guy after the guy? Okay, well, if I mean no, like Brent Gunning wants no part of that. Brent Gunning does not... It's hard enough filling in for Ailish. Like Brent, Brent Gunning does not want any part of that, okay? But Jim Jim Harbaugh and Brent Gunning are very, very different people. Mm. You know, Jim Harbaugh is a leader of men. Yeah. I'm, I'm a leader of child. Like, I can lead my child at home and occasionally my family as a whole. Like, come on, I will be the leader of this. But Jim Harbaugh is a leader of men. And he doesn't sit there and, yeah, would he have a little pause? I think his pause would be the personal element, the respect he has for Belichick and everything he's done in the game and how that would be perceived. Not that they have some great relationship from what I understand anyways, but but how that would be perceived between the two of them. But I don't think Jim Harbaugh has any ideas of going in anywhere and being scared of what came before him because he's going to go in there and turn it into a winning program. I don't think someone like that thinks of it in that way. And if there were a million great, not to say that Harbaugh can't to a certain extent pick his spot, of course he can, but think about all the co- the spots we just picked. There is not a slam dunk, mm. this is the place, this is where you need to go. You know, it's not like... Unless the, it's Dallas. Well, okay, that is a little different. Or the other situation I was even thinking of is if the Bears had been more of a disaster down the stretch yeah. and you're saying, all right, you're going to have all the chips, you're going to be able to get your quarterback. Uh, they're running it back. It they're running like. it back, it feels like. So I think that a guy like Harbaugh looks at it and says... There, Dallas, again, that's a very different animal. The sex appeal that, oh, my God, like you think New England is sexy. Yeah. Jerry Jones and that guy and America's team and everything that would come And, like, you can that. laugh at, like, the Dak-Herbert uh, comparison, but, like, yeah. No, the, the, they're... Oh, like, they've proven themselves. I mean, they're There's an equal they're uh, different amount of, guys, of but they play production to be the same guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so if you're going to praise, you know, Justin Herbert for what the potential exists mm-hmm. in his arm, you have to say the same about Dak Prescott. Well, and they're both getting paid. That's the other part of it is, you know, three years ago or two years ago, you could have made the argument if you still have Herbert on his rookie deal, whereas Dak got paid, and obviously that changed the roster construction, but Herbert's got paid as well so he's kind of he he is obviously younger you have a longer track you have a longer runway with him than you would with somebody like Dak if you're thinking this is going to be a five six ten year run that you go on in a place but he's already been paid so you don't necessarily have the young quarterback benefit that you would other places I just think back to the New England thing and I get it it's just business right it's just business but if if the perception is that Robert Kraft was going to bring Bill Belichick back except like Jim Harbaugh was available and made it known to Robert Kraft and the New England Patriots that Mm -hmm. he was available. So the legend gets pushed out. And I maybe the people in New England are are more than ready to move off of Bill Belichick anyways. So so maybe it's not that big of a deal. But yeah, that's a little different. Having the legend pushed out and and you filling his 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 seat as opposed to oh okay so now uh, we're casting a wide net after moving off of Bill Belichick and hey who's the best candidate it's Jim Harbaugh yeah even if that is the case it it might be perceived in the first way that I described yeah there's definitely there's definitely an element to that there I just I think if you're Harbaugh you don't you don't care about that the Patriots might mm. and their fan base might but I think Jim Harbaugh I don't think he worries about that for a second.
Um, before we take the break, you want to talk about Tiger Woods? Yeah, leaving Nike after yeah, 27 years. We have to talk to McKee about this as as well at at some point in time. Like, there's no way we have McKee on when we're going to yeah. leave with him. But I I need to quickly get a thought in on this. This is nuts. Like, close your eyes and think of sports. Tiger Woods. Sports. Okay. Tiger Woods. Thinking of sports. Sunday Red is one of the first things that comes to mind for me. Like, it's it's Yankees pinstripes. My it's eyes the, are open. By it's the, the way. Leafs in blue and white. Mm-hmm. Mine are back open as well. You never it's, close up myself. I did. Okay. There. I, that was terrible radio. I just closed my eyes and went silent, just letting you all know what happened there. But it's Tiger Woods chipping it in on 16 in his, you know, blood red Nike golf shirt. It's, it is one of the most identifiable uniforms. And it's, again, like every other one we think of is a team. Even Michael Jordan, for how much you know, it's a, and part of its individual team sport, I understand that. But, you know, we think of Jordan as a brand and everything, but you close your eyes and, you know, maybe some people say it's a shoe you think of, but I think a lot of people go to Michael Jordan playing for the Chicago Bulls. Like there's an entity that it's tied to. And for Tiger, it was never a team. It was Nike. Like it's just, it is one of the most undeniable partnerships of my lifetime. Quite frankly, I'm mm. 34 years old. They had a partnership for 27 years. I have not really known a world in where the two of them weren't making incredibly cool things together. It is, it, it's, sh- it's not shocking because we all kind of saw the writing on the yeah, wall. Yeah, they're he out of the been, golf game. He hasn't been wearing Nike shoes for three, four years now, but it and, is. And Nike doesn't make equipment anymore. No, they don't. And they don't, and, you know, they're even a lot of their other staffers are getting out of it. Like Jason Day, who's a longtime Nike guy. He now has a, he has a deal with like some kind of more niche golf brand. And it's just, it's remarkable to see it's such a sign of a changing sport landscape. I have to be honest. Maybe I shouldn't read into it this way. I don't like what it says about golf that Nike's saying, yeah, we're, we're good on that. We don't need to have such a footprint in there. Obviously the equipment is one thing, but you distance yourself from tiger. How is that not going to remove your footprint in, in apparel? And, you know, I don't know how much people care about this, but it's just, I'd be lying if it wasn't the, it, on a day where if William Nylander didn't sign his contract extension yesterday, this might be the lead for me today. Mm. That's how much I think about this. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I I'm in favor of capitalism, <laughs> buddy. You you love it. Yeah, it's it, yeah. It has its drawbacks, but it's it's what we got. I'm not like anti capitalism necessarily. I don't necessarily. I also don't like to like worship brands and 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 big conglomerates. Um, and, and corporations. So there's a part of this is like, ah, oh, icky, but you're hundred percent right. You think about Tiger Woods, you think about Nike and you think about the hat and, and you think about the swoosh and you think about like the personality symmetry that seem seemingly existed between Tiger Woods and a, a brand that was the cool brand. And I guess still is, I don't know. I'm not cool. So I don't know. I'm also almost 40. So what do I know what's cool? But like when Tiger Woods first whatever, signed. Whatever you think is the opposite. Yeah. So, what, but when Tiger Woods signed with Nike, that was it. It was like, oh, there's like the, there's a, finally golf is cool. Mm-hmm. Guess who's into the golf game? The cool company. Yeah. So kudos to Nike who, again, hit on the correct player at the correct moment in time. And maybe he's getting out at the correct moment in time as well. I mean, he's just not going to be as visible, right? That's part of it too. If Tiger was playing if we were assured even that he was playing all four majors this year, I, I'm he dubious. Say, he did say see you in LA. I'm Riv coming dubious. Up. I'm dubious. 
I'm dubious. Yeah, of course you have you have to be. But I, yeah, I it's it's yeah it's I don't I don't my natural inclination is to not care about brands. Yeah, no, I, it feels icky to me. But mm-hmm. I, good on you, I guess Nike, you did it. I I am different. I'm very interested in all this stuff. I you just want free stuff. Stop sucking no, up to the not, corporations. That's not true. But. Having having said that, any corporations that <laughs> want to send me free stuff, also I'm very, me, very also me, here for it. I'm for sale. Even like capitalism as a whole, like yeah. I don't know if like yeah, there's there's a hat that capitalism sells. Like I'll I'll be like even more pro capitalism. I'm gonna find one with like a money sign on it or the monopoly yeah. man and get it for you. Be yeah. very very on on brand for you. The, the last thing I'd say about this, and this is like a way bigger topic, and you know we're gonna talk Lisa McKee in a sec, but I'll get his thoughts on this as well. Is that you know, I don't want to take anything away from Tiger Woods because the accomplishments he did and the the fact that he was so cool in a sport that wasn't. But you know, Ben, you're you're a golf nerd. You've read the books. You know the backstory. It's like Tiger wasn't he wasn't that cool. Mm. He was a nerd. Like yeah. play Call of Duty and hang out with Navy SEALs all the time and yeah. not buy their dinners and that kind of thing and mm. hang out at Perkins and do whatever it was he would do. No, uh, we know what he did. No, I don't. I have no idea. I don't know what you're talking about. But how much of Tiger Woods is Nike? Yeah. Like if Tiger Woods signs with, you know, I'm not going to lambaste some other brand, but oh, a yeah, because yeah, they might give you. Free yeah, stuff. exactly. Yeah. Like what if they're going to give you some free stuff? But like a lesser cool brand uh-huh. of which I will not name. Yeah. Do we think of Tiger Woods the same way? Ooh. Of course we do. As the winner is mm. everything. But you know, if Michael Jordan, we all saw the shoe documentary, or well, I actually never got around to watching Air, but you know, I, I get the gist I of saw it. Air it was pretty okay, good. Sure, maybe I'll get around to it. It's like if he signs with Adidas, do we think of him as Michael Jordan? He's still a winner. He's still a six-time champ. I'm not taking any titles away from him. But the the mythical nature of a figure like MJ, like Tiger, mm. that just existed in a culture that doesn't quite frankly exist anymore, would we have felt the same way about those guys if they did not have that singularly great marketing machine? And this is, this is a whole bigger conversation of did those guys make Nike? Did Nike make those guys? And obviously it's six of one, half dozen of the other. They fed off of each other. But that is, I think, the most interesting thing is how different would we have felt about? And those are the two guys I keep going back to because they're the guys most tied to a brand is Jordan with Jordan, mm-hmm. obviously a subsidiary in Nike, and then Nike yeah. and Tiger. Yeah, and yeah, the Jordan thing is, it's like you think of Jordans, which are Nikes, right. but it's like Jordan. it's like almost separate from Nike. It's, it has become yeah. so big, right? And there is a swoosh on the thing. The other interesting thing is like, is Sam McKee like sitting here listening to this conversation? No. No, I think all, he might be. I, I think, think he is. Yeah, we're getting the thumbs oh, up. Oh, really? The, all right, so we'll we'll Boom. let him weigh in on it. And Percolate also, on those thoughts while you make your coffee, yeah. bud. And uh, we'll also ask him about William Nylander. Yeah, obviously. And the, the other stuff. Uh, as the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports at 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brian Gunning. Let's talk to a big fan of the program who's been listening for a while now. Sam McKee, real kipper and born, and Leafstock. How's it going, Sammy? Good morning, gentlemen. Doing well? Doing well? So my first question for you is, were you so enthralled by the great conversation we had cooked up that you were happy to be listening, or were you sitting there going, come on, I could have got two extra uh, minutes of sleep, boys? Can I be totally honest? Yes, you, you weren't listening. You, you weren't, weren't listening. listening. I heard, I completely, I saw that you guys were having... Talk, uh, stop talking, and then I went and got a glass of water 
uh, stretched my legs and then came back. All good. So, yeah. That's yeah. that's. What, I heard you're talking about Tiger though when I yeah. tuned in. So there you go. Yeah. That, that's that's that part of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're talking about Tiger. Uh, we'll get yeah. to Tiger maybe. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Let's talk about. Well, I thought it was a compelling conversation, but but you'll have to go back and listen on the pod, <laughs> yeah, uh, as you always do. I know. Uh, let's, let's talk about William Nylander's big biceps uh, beating Brad True Living in an arm wrestling competition uh, that was not much of a competition. Uh, it was one sided. Uh, anyways, that's a next season problem. Okay, he's still mm-hmm. under the sweetheart deal for this year, and he leads the team in points and he's top five in the NHL. Um, do you? View him differently now. Now that Penn has been put to paper, this is a guy for the next eight years beyond this one, unless he decides he wants out because total full no move and you can't even buy it out ever because everything's in the form of, of a signing bonus. Do you view William Nylander differently? Hmm, I'm picking up the tone here. Uh, the witness is being led. Uh, I just asked you a simple question. What are you talking course, about? Of course. How can you not? As he of opened the door and patted you on no. the small of your back and said, I, walk I, this way. I don't know how you can't look at him differently, fellas. It's it's a completely different William Nylander that we're heading into next season talking about. Um, all those years of him making, what do you make, $6.8, $6.9 million for uh, what was on a sweetheart deal for the last, like people are like, oh, he was on a, it was a steal for the whole contract. It's like, it was a steal for two years. Let's be, let's be honest here. There, there was a lot of points during a few of those seasons where he went away and that can't happen anymore. Now that he has been paid at the apex of his career, where he's playing the best that he's ever played. There's no room for lulls anymore. There's no room for old school Nylander being like, okay, these, these two weeks on the schedule, I'm not going to be around anymore. And I really do think that he's taken a step clearly I think it's not like it's just a contract year thing where he's like, I'm going to be the best guy on the team or maybe close to the best guy on the team through the first three months of the season. I do think he's taken a step, but man, it's a lot of pressure for him now. He has made his bed here now. He's shown everybody what he's worth. He got paid it at the apex. And now if there's a dip, you know how this is going to go for him. Yeah, we do. Uh, it'll be, we've seen it before, quite frankly, when he was a, and to your point, like he wasn't a steal throughout that whole deal far from it, but we saw how it was when there was a dip at, at six, eight or six, nine. Uh, we can only imagine what it'll look like when we don't have to, let's be honest. Uh, we know what it's like when people are pulling their hair out uh, in this market. And I, for one, am never, ever guilty of, uh, of that. We all know with my, you know, pragmatic measured uh, demeanor when, when talking about the team, you know, I, I think this is where a lot of people's head go or, or mind goes when talking about this. And I am trying not to lead the witness here is mm. what does this say to you or how does this adjust or change if in any way shape or form your opinion about the guy who negotiated the contract from the leaf side of things brad Treliving. i mean you know we've all litigated the signings i think we've had our ups and downs moments with them the guys who are still playing i think we really like what they've been giving them the guys who are not are not really affecting the team right now so we can you know quibble about that we've already done so in the past but what is this deal if anything well i shouldn't say if anything because it has to say something one way or another say to you about Treliving and what we can gauge from him as a negotiator because obviously that was such a big topic uh, with the last regime i think you know everybody talked about his biggest job here was to get austin matthews and william nylander signed and everyone says that he got that done but all it took was the biggest contract in leafs history and the largest aav on a contract in league history so (laughs) he got that part of it done (laughs) like I, you know, I, I think you have to give him credit for mm. those guys signing here, I guess. But 
he has nothing to do with the foundation that's been built here in terms of these guys being proud to be Leafs, I guess, and them always saying that they love being in Toronto but not taking one cent less on any contract. So I don't know. Like I, I guess it's good that he got them signed, but I don't think you can give him a ton of credit when he gave them the max value. I think the jury's still out on for living. I know it's not a sexy answer, but like it's been there's some pretty shaky signings in the offseason, clearly. But also there's been some pretty great signings that have really helped the Leafs through a really injured period of their of their of their season. Like we don't need to go through all the names yeah. here. You guys know who I'm talking about. I think it's been a pretty eventful start to Brad Living's tenure as Leafs general manager. A lot has happened through the the first bit of it, right? Like it's crazy how much has gone on. I think the jury's still out. But yeah, I don't think I'm going to give him credit for signing two of the biggest contracts in NHL history to two guys. He's a high event GM, you you might say. Like sure. we've seen high event teams, he's a high event uh GM. It's interesting to me how much the perception not from Nylander, but from Trilliving's part of this is what happens next and I don't say that to mean what does this mean for Mitch Marner, but you mentioned it there, the idea of these guys not leaving a cent on the table, be it Matthews, be it Marner, you know, or sorry, be it Nylander. We'll see what happens with Marner. We'll see what happens with Tavares. Obviously, Tavares is a very different animal here, but we've heard this, you know, I heard it from Fridge when he was on your show yesterday. We heard him making the rounds yesterday. The idea of stars are done with that. Stars are done with the idea of taking less, even if it's a little bit more. You know, maybe we see it with a, not that it's happening yet, but a Stamkos type late in his career in a place he's comfortable, but peak of their power stars are done with anything that it's close to a team friendly deal. How much of the perception with the with the Leaf signings and be it Matthews, be it Nylander is what happens with other signings going forward? Because, you know, they got bit by the flat cap and I don't expect that to happen again. But I've heard once before that the Leaf signing these kind of deals was going to lead to a different landscape in the NHL where players were willing to go shorter and players were willing to to have a bit of a more aggressive stance. And that didn't exactly play out last time. How much of what we think about this deal depends on what happened with you know Pedersen coming up or or the next kind of high profile UFA in this kind of age frame and what they do I think all of it I think it's I think it's this next I mean if it's true if it's true where every guy's going to sign for the most amount of money now it's okay and we can all live with that but I do think if like Pedersen takes like which he's not he seems like he's not even talking to the Canucks like it seems like that's a real contentious situation right now there which is Good. Getting thrilled about it happened literally one place else. but but yeah, I I do think that this will be met, but it's much like the Marner thing when he signed, right? And then like Braden Point signed for eight years at whatever he signed for immediately after and Ranton and signed right after for way less than Marner. It's just, it's it's always measured against that. And it's funny, you mentioned these like big contracts and yeah, I, I, I can't help but say that the Leafs are kind of like on the cutting edge of this. Like, like, you know, how many guys are going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, how many guys are going to sign the Matthews contract where they're going to take shorter? Co- like, no one does that mm-hmm. except for Marner did it. He took six. Like, it kind of feels like the Leafs are almost the inspiration for some of these guys, which I don't think you want to hear as a Leaf fan. But, like, I'll be interested to see going forward. Like, are you surprised Willie took eight? I'm not because of the AAV, clearly. No. But, like, going forward, some of these guys are not going to take the full eight years. And a lot of that has to do with the Leaf stars taking less years. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I do envision a world in which Marner does it now, right? Like, and that's the the next one upcoming. Yeah, where the he John, takes eight. Yeah, where he where he, yeah, get, yeah. he goes the full max in eight. Um, 
yeah, to, to, to try and, you know, give something back to, 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 to ingratiate himself in some way to the fan base. I also, like, I don't want to get too negative with this thing because this Leafs team's won three in a row. They swept a California road trip. Mm-hmm. They, when they get good goaltending, look like uh, one of the best teams in all of the NHL. But it's also hard for me not to envision a scenario, you know, because I've watched it seven consecutive times, where, like, there's another playoff meltdown for this team and we're going into an offseason where it's like oh there's no off ramp like there's no possible way like just factually Mitch Mar- even if you were like man we do need to pivot off this thing Mitch Marner has a full no move clause John Tavares full no move clause those guys have their contracts expiring at the conclusion of next season but mm. so are, are you you're gonna watch uh Mitch Marner just walk away for nothing like that's your pivot from like this is this is it this is until these guys retire and out of their prime this this is it, like uh, sink or swim. Well, and let me let me throw one more thing in there before you jump in, McKee. The idea as well that just with the season Marner's having here, unless he has the playoff of all time or the second half of all time, there's no world where it would make any sense for him to negotiate a contract this summer. Why wouldn't he just handle the Nylander playbook as well? Yeah, I think the Marner one is going to be just as not contentious, but just as controversial, I think, as Willie. I don't think it's going to be right on July 1st he signs for less or whatever. I I, I think it's going to be probably him getting close to $12 million for eight years or maybe even over $12 million. Like, it's going to be the exact same situation. And you're right. But I don't know. Like, you want to pivot off of this. Like, I had a bit of an epiphany on air yesterday. It's like you can't – everybody texts in when you all these guys sign. It's like you can't win with these guys. You can't win with these guys. Okay, so you should just get rid of the good players then. Like, get rid of them because they're all in their prime. Like, what are they all, 27, 26 years old? No. This is the the time to trade them was three years ago. Right. Not now. Or like, yeah, they're this in past offseason. I mean, that's why it's on Brendan Shanahan, right? Like, if if if, if you're going to be mad at this situation, it's Brendan Shanahan and the timing of the Kyle Dubas situation where, like, Brad for Living was kind of stuck. He he didn't have time to 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 come to an epiphany that yeah the 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 Marner trade needed to be consummated if you were going to do that or the Nylander trade needed to be consummated or you know you had a run up to like understand how much money it was going to cost to to resign William Nylander like the the the, the responsibility should lie with Brendan Shanahan and if you were going to trade one of these guys you know you probably should have done it when they had four years left or not four that's an exaggeration three or two years left on their contract when they had way more value. Like what is Marner his what kind of value does he have on a on a trade when he's got two more years left on his contract? The same with Willie. Like you can't trade. What are you going to get for Marner who has a no move clause this off season where he's got one season left? Depends on and like if they have a bad playoff, his value is going to be at the lowest. If he has a good playoff, you're going to want to keep him. Like they're just going to play here. They're going to sign him. They're yeah. going to pay him a lot, and it's just going to be the thing. And Tavares coming off the books whenever he does. And like next year is going to be a total nightmare on the cap, but you're going to have to eat it. It's not like it's the Minnesota wild who just have two ghost players taking up whatever amount of uh, cap they have. You have four really good guys that are make a lot of money. It's just, I think they're just in this is it. This, and it could be a lot worse fellas. Don't get me wrong here, but this is it. These are the guys. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, Last one for me. Anyways, before we let you go, uh, can you just tell Ben Ennis that we're right? And that the savior Jonesy should be getting the net tonight at home against the Sharks. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure there's any other. You, you go to Hill to be tonight. Yeah, I mean, Ben's if you're going to if you're going to if you're, you're going to play him, you're going to throw him into his NHL debut on Sunday against a much better Red Wings team on the back end of back to backs at home. Yeah, 
for sure. I'm going to just, I, I am. Like, I think you just win the games in front of you. Jonesy's been great. Agreed. No, I, no, I, I'm yeah, laughing just because of the way you said it, but I, me and you have texted about this. I'm wholeheartedly with you. Mm, yeah, no, Jonesy's Jonesy's been great. Yeah, and it, yes, you uh, hate that we're calling him Jonesy I, a little I, bit. I, 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 there's a little disdain yeah, in my voice. I could yeah. tell. If I was, if I was the coach, Jonesy'd start all four this week. Just Jones, all they got. Just a. <laughs> No question who's going tonight. Don't even ask me at the media press conference. His it's birthday Call the counting crows. Mr. Jones, let's go. Yeah. How old is he turning? 36 or 34? No, he's turning oh, 34. Oh, he's, no, he's, oh, a he's a young, young man. Spry he's a young, young guy. Yeah. Yeah, he can do four this week. No problem. Might, but, might die immediately uh, after, but hey, that's sure. next week's problem. Can I can I tell you something, boys? I might I don't know if it'll be Hill to be. I don't know who it'll be Samson off starting on that Sunday game. I have no insight. Yeah. I have no, no scoops. I, I have nothing. But Marley's I don't. I play feel on like Friday. It, yeah, yeah. Maybe you give him that game, and then if he looks okay, you start him on Sunday. I think there's a chance that it could be somebody outside of the organization starting the Sunday game. Yeah, maybe. Seems mm-hmm. like they're afraid to verbal to, to eyeball emoji at you there. I don't have. Oh yeah, you, you know me, Mister Sources. No, like just, uh, they call me the Woj of the Woj of hockey. I just I think that there's a chance. Okay. It's interesting. Like, it's it seems pretty clear that they don't want to play Dennis Hill to be in the National Hockey League. Yes, I would understand that from a coach's perspective for a team that's rolling and trying to catch the Florida Panthers so they don't have to play the Florida Panthers in the first round or trying to catch the Boston Bruins so they don't have to play the Florida because if they play the Florida Panthers in the in the first round. Uh, as my good friend Daryl Sutter once said, it'll be a waste of eight days, boys. Like yeah. that's not a that's not a situation. You hope that the Florida Panthers get super hot and go ahead of Austin, then you have to play the Bruins, which is no, you know, cup of tea, clearly, but it's better than the Florida Panthers. And you get you can't that's why you can't start Hildeby after these many this you have to have points. You have to get points. Sure. You can't be like sure. You can't be like, well, I know if you can't beat Hildeby with I mean you can't beat the Sharks with Hildeby in that, yeah. it's a tough situation. I but that's the way you, I would lean. But guess what? what? This team on home ice after after uh, coming back from a West Coast road trip against a out of conference, out of division, mm. crappy team. We've never seen them play bad in that kind of situation. Mm. <laughs> sure, Ever. this is it. Yeah, I, I guess. Like I, 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 there was no let up in either the Ducks game or the Sharks game on the road trip. Maybe this is a different team. But I would say the most pressing matter for this team is keeping thirty four year old, about to be thirty four year old Martin Jones healthy. And nobody yeah. plays the number of games that you're like asking Martin Jones to play over the span of like two weeks. Like nobody, like, like he <laughs> plays back-to-back games. It was like, oh my god, like, you know, is that allowed? Are you allowed to play in back-to-back games? Like, and clearly, you know, the the lack of travel. And I know those are two home games uh, against the Avalanche yeah. and and Red Wings on the weekend. But that's it. Just doesn't happen anymore. And there's probably a reason for it. it doesn't happen for young goaltenders. Especially, it doesn't happen for thirty-four-year-old yeah. goaltenders. And if Martin the, Jones goes down, your season's over. Like, see, so yeah, which is insane to say, but yeah, you you got <laughs> a month away from uh, from uh, uh, Joseph Wall returning. You can't have that guy go down. So, if there's even a one percent chance, uh, added one percent chance that Martin Jones suffers an injury by starting him in all these games, you can't do it. You got to start Dennis Hillaby as 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 not ready for the NHL as he may may not be. There is when he started the second half of that back to back. There was like fourteen people in the least sports science department that were like, "Oh my god, right. no! We've Winston. done all this research. Yeah. We've done this research. No. He can't. He's not allowed to play on back to back nights." <sighs> I, that's why, to me, like Hill to be they, clear, but they clearly don't trust Hill to yep. be. They yep. didn't start him against the Ducks. Yep, they obviously don't. <laughs> so to me, they're gonna start Jones. So they play. Tonight at home against uh, the Sharks, and they go to the Long Island, and they play uh, against the Avalanche. Mm-hmm. Like, I 
I don't think it's going to be Samson on Sunday. I don't think that's an option, but I do think it's an option at someone else. Mm. Like I really do. That's why like, mm. I, cause they, they know, they know old bones Jones. There is, you know, he's having a, <laughs> he's playing a lot. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't think they're gonna. I don't think you'll see Hill to be playing the NHL this year. I really don't. Okay. I have no, I have no insight, but that's just that's just where I'm at. Old yeah. Bones Jones. Yeah, that's I'll, his hopefully. new name. Yeah, hopefully his bones stay in 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 one piece this week. <laughs> they don't turn to dust. Oh uh, man, what a scenario that would be if Martin Jones goes down. Like then oh you get to God. see Hill to be for sure. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> and David Ayers maybe. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right, Sammy. Good stuff. See hey. you, buddy. Pleasure, boys. Thanks for having me. All right, there's uh, Sam McKee, Real Kipper and Born, and Leafs Talk. Time now for the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Leafs, Sharks, Scotiabank Arena. Give the money line odds, please. Minus 455. Oh, my God. For the Leafs, should probably clarify. Yeah, yeah, no, the Sharks on the road, not favored minus 455. Uh, they are plus 350 <laughs> underdogs after losing at home to this very same Leafs team uh, over the weekend. Okay, the puck line, if you, if you think the Leafs are going to win by at least three goals, two and a half goals is the puck line. Plus, you finally get a plus number there. Plus 115, the Leafs to win uh, minus two and a half goals. When was the last time we saw a puck line that was not one and a half? No. It's two and a half. Uh, give me the over. I, you got to pay minus 120. Feel safe tonight. Willie's going to be buzzing. Uh, Jonesy, old bones, Jones, whatever you want to call him. You probably want to just call him Martin Jones. Yeah, uh, I feel no. like he's due for, for like two or three against and feels like the Leafs are going to pop a couple in. So I mean, I they, am taking went, the over there. It went under the total yep. in San Jose, of course, a four, one victory for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And yeah, I, I guess that's where my value would be. Um, I, I actually, I do not like laying two, two and a half goals for the Leafs. I'll give me even odds under six goals in this hockey game. And, uh, the Raptors in LA to play LeBron James and the Lakers trying to take their third victory in four games on this six game road trip. The Lakers favored by four and a half coming off a big victory over the Clippers on Sunday. Maybe their biggest of the season, the total two thirty four and a half, and a half Brent. Uh, I'm going to take Raps to cover here. I've kind of liked what I'm seeing from them. Lakers have been very up and down this year. Bit of a trap game for them coming off big win against Clips in the Battle of LA there. So uh, give me the Raps to cover plus four and a half minus 105. I like that. Raptors love playing in LA. Like Mm -hmm. it feels like they're always up in their game on these West Coast road trips in general, but especially in LA. And I I mean, if you're going to take the the Raptors on the line on the uh on the spread let's take them on the line plus 165 give me the the Raptors to win this game in LA that was the wake and rake presented by sports interaction your homegrown sports book bet local when we come back Luke Fox sports at least reporter as the fan morning show continues Ben Ennis Brent Gunning sportsnet 590 the fan